All right, everyone, welcome to the Industrial Marketer Podcast, the podcast for industrial marketers by industrial marketers in the manufacturing space. I am one of your hosts, Matthew Shinoa. And I'm MJ Peters. And MJ, I'm super excited about our guest today because he is someone who I've um, worked with with the American Wedding Society on the on the marketing advisory committee, and he works for one of like the really great brands in the welding and cutting industry. Uh, and I really have a lot of respect for their company and how they go about their business. And that is Anibal Sepulveda, who's the um, marketing director for the Americas at Hypertherm. Say hello, Anibal. Hi. Good afternoon. Hi, Matt. Hi, MJ. How are you? We're doing pretty good. Honor Great, thank here. you for having me. Absolutely. So um, for those who don't know, Hypertherm is one of the preeminent cutting equipment makers out there. They make cutting torches and cutting machines and, and other equipment as well. But I'm actually gonna let Anibal describe the company and his role a little bit more. So Anibal, why don't you start by telling everyone a little bit about your role and your mm -hmm. journey in marketing, and then please obviously you know, tell the audience about Hypertherm as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, very excited to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. It, just to let you know a little bit about myself. So it, you don't have a hearing problem. It, I do have an accent. So I think that you will you, you will soon realize that that's, that's something that you will hear for the next hour or so. Uh, originally from Chile, uh, living in the U.S. for about a little bit over 20 years. And as Matt mentioned, I'm the director of marketing and also revenue operations uh, for the Americas at Hypertherm. Been with the company for about 10 years. Um, I started my, my interaction in the marketing field for, uh, about 20 something years ago. Um, my first actually uh, job with marketing, it was not nothing to do with industrial uh, manufacturing. It has to actually was education. And it was back in Santiago, Chile when I uh, started with Harvard University and creating a, a regional office in the my job back then was actually to create a, a study abroad program for students uh, that would come from Boston to spend a semester or a year in Chile. So a uh, different type of marketing when you're asking people to invest time and resources and doing things like that. Then transition, uh, move back to the uh, US and also work in globalization and internal communications and external communications for the Home Depot corporate for a few years and back in 2010 then I, I was connected with Hypertherm where I started my my relationship with them first on the technical communication side then on the marketing organization um, and again leveraging all these experiences uh, in marketing which as we all know marketing and communications now it's, it's a very broad field that can can lend itself for for many different things all right so we brought you on because we wanted to talk about a topic that we actually got a request about from one of our listeners, which was product launches. And I kind of singled you guys out because I think in a industry that really struggles with great brand, I think Hypertherm has great brand. And I think you guys really do um, your product launches very well uh, from what I've seen from the outside. So I wanted to kind of bring you on to unpack a little bit about how you guys do that for the listeners and they can maybe get some nuggets to take home with them. To their mm -hmm. own jobs. So I wanted to start by asking you about, um, in your opinion, what is most important um, about a product launch um, for a company? Uh, that, that's a very good question. Simple question, but also very important. Uh, so I think that the key is that um, anything that you launch, right, 
anything that you bring to the market. It, it needs to be something at the very basic level, a product or a service that is actually needed. Let, let's say that, let's not overpopulate the market with things that are may, maybe are not meeting any particular needs and hopefully exceed uh, the expectation of your marketing, right? Something, uh, a product of a service that solves the problems or the improve the quality of life of your, uh, of your customers, um, et cetera. And so, and, and also I, I see the, the exercise of bringing a product to market, it needs to be a reflection um, uh, in, in, in the case of Hyperfam, yeah, we, we are considering a, pre, we are consider a premium brand, in the, especially in the plasma cutting industry, yeah, because we see different, a very, very closely a connection between the good work and dedication that our engineering teams are doing at the product team level. Yeah, we need to reflect that on the marketing activities, yeah, and especially as it relates to the commercialization process. Um, that is not only launching a product. I mean, I guess that that's the first step when you catapult something out, but then it becomes in the life cycle uh, of the products and services that you're offering. So yeah, that's my take on that. So you mentioned two different things there. First, yeah. the product has to be needed. And second, it has to align with your brand so that customers understand why it is that your company is launching that particular product. So let's start with products that are needed. I think a lot of companies fall into this trap. Can you tell us about how you learned that particular lesson in your career? Yeah, that's a, that's a very good question, MJ. Uh, so in terms of the, uh, the marketing approach, uh, maybe I, I should explain that at Hyperfem, we are divided between, uh, we make the difference between business teams or business units and then regional teams. Uh, I'm part of a regional team, right? Uh, which happens to be based out of Hanover, where it's also the headquarters of Hyperfem, where the business teams live, right? So we have, uh, um, I'm, I'm head of marketing for the Americas region, uh, but we also have an European office and also an Asia office. Why am I telling you this? Um, because um, the regions are the ones closest to the customer. So we are usually providing information back to the business teams and the business teams themselves have product marketing teams that they take this information, they do the research, they tag along with engineering, they do VOCs, they understand to understand what are the problems, right? And, and based on that feedback, then you develop a, a, a product that is gonna, that's gonna solve that particular problem. Um, so that's, that's, a, that's the approach that we take. And what about when it comes to your product aligning with your brand? What happens to the product's performance in the market when it's not really aligned with the other products in the portfolio and what the brand stands for in the mind of the customer? Well, I mean, uh, again, I mean, being considered, or, or we, we know that we are a premium brand, uh, your, the quality of your product needs to be top notch. And, and I think that the market and, and your customers are, should not and are not uh, forgiven when, when, when you're not providing them exactly what they expect. Uh, there is a lot of time spent on R&D. There is a lot of time spent on on, on again, I mean, understanding the actual need that, that, that needs to be met by your product or service in order to, to create that consistency and, and, and also to make sure that your brand is not impacted uh, by, by a faulty 
by, by a faulty, uh, again, device, by a, by a faulty approach to the market. People, I mean, and we're all customers, right? So, I mean, and we're pretty smart. So people know when, when, when you tell them that you're, you're uh, gonna give them something fantastic and, and, you, and if you under deliver, that's very, very easy detectable by everybody. So uh, at Hyperthem, that's something that, that we don't play with. You mentioned in your answer uh, about how you guys sign a feedback loop back to your product marketing team and, and they use voice of customer as well, going with engineering and visiting customers. And that sounds like a very robust process to, to me compared to some things that I've seen other companies do for product development. Um, I wanted to, to segue that to ask you, when you see product launches from other companies, do you typically get a sense of whether it's done well or not? And what are some of the indicators uh, that, that give you that sense? So yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're, we're looking, you're, um, I guess that that's the, the, something that we do on, on daily basis. I mean, you look at what you're doing, not all the, I mean, but also you're looking at uh, what your competitors are doing and how they're launching products. Um, I think that, I mean, there are some places in the market that they do a fantastic uh, job. And, and, um, and I'm talking about, uh, not only about our industry, but beyond our industry. So, um, not, I, I guess that one always tries to be very critical uh, of your own work. Um, but um, I look at companies that create, for example, uh, marketing, uh, I mean, is there like a high anticipation, right? Um, is the product gonna be available at the moment of launch? I mean, so if, if there's anything, so there's, there needs to be a connection or a, a very strong alignment uh, with your channel. Are they gonna see uh, the traffic that you are, are, are expecting um, at, at a store location, right? Uh, is the channel going to be prepared and trained uh, at the same time that you your promotional activities are taking place, that you are sending people to the uh, point of purchase, right? And overall, um, is your marketing communication mix uh, uh, in a way aligned uh, as it should to connect with your target audience? Right. So, I mean, it is not only the, the, the merchandising point of view. I think that we look at the entire marketing mix from the communication, merchandising, ads and things like that to them to understand if the, if the impact that, that you're pursuing with a product launch um, is taking place or not. It's a pretty tactical question, but given yeah. all the things that you mentioned, that you have to think about before successfully executing a product launch. How far in advance do you guys start planning product launches? Um, and I, well, that's again, that's a good question. So I, I tell you that, um, and again, and making the difference between a, a business team and then a regional team that in the regional team itself is in charge of the commercialization of the products. I think that the development of uh, the business team level can be, I mean, we have products being developed for three, maybe three, maybe sometimes four years. So that, I mean, th these are not things that happen overnight. Uh, us as a commercial team get involved. I mean, we have a gated process at Hypertheme where uh, you go through different milestones and, and at milestone five is where uh, we have we have the proof of concept. We have gone through all the engineering work, the design work, and that's uh, we we have made sure that the product actually is viable. 
uh, at a, in the marketplace. And that's when we connect with our commercial organizations to start uh, looking the the introduction of the product to the market. That can be anywhere from 12 months in advance. It's, it's usually about a year. Uh, in a year, a year in advance when we start working uh, with the, where, the, where the countdown actually begins. Yeah, it seems like a really good, I mean, 12 months seems like a, a great process to give your team enough time. I mean, I've, I've had scenarios where that's not been the case um, where you kind of get it jammed down your throat a little bit and it's like, here's this new product we're launching in three months and you're right. having to kind of rush, to, rush to get it out. And that usually sets your marketing team up and your sales team for that matter for failure. Cause like there's so many things that go into a product launch. I mean, besides just the marketing side of it, it's training your customer service. It's training your sales team. It's giving your sales team um, information. There's also your distributor network. They need to also be notified. They need to have collateral. They need to have part numbers. Um, they need to know how to order it, right? Yeah. So there's just, there's so much that goes into a well-coordinated product launch. So you know, giving your giving your team and that and having that product launch lifecycle, giving that thing time to be done correctly is to me just a, a really critical piece and was, and uh, was, was definitely definitely well taken on your end. And you know, for that, I actually want to go a little more nuts and bolts in that product launch development cycle. So um, you talk a little bit about the factors of launching a new product. So um, I want to know like where does new product development begin and, uh, and how early, I know it's about 12 months out, but how early does marketing get involved? Does it get involved even when the product ideation is coming into play? Um, and, and, and what is your role uh, typically in that? Yeah, so no, that, uh, again, very good question. Uh, so yes, from the very beginning, especially when it comes to being part of the product marketing teams at Hyperthem, you're gonna see from the ideation phase, that's where, where all the research takes place, the VOCs take place, understanding the market, the need, et cetera. You're, you're building your, building your business case. Uh, so uh, once that those elements are covered, actually it is like a, like a relay race between the business teams uh, units and also uh, uh, commercial organizations uh, like, like the regional team. So uh, as I mentioned before, we get involved as soon as all the, the milestone process regarding related to the product development phase has been clear and, and, and we have something viable to, to introduce to the market. So there's a lot of different moving pieces in terms of how marketing contributes to the product development process. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you about how you structure your team because I've seen it done a couple of ways. I've seen it done where teams separate product marketing from product management. I've also seen it done where teams have somebody that owns the product innovation process, somebody that owns the mature product, and somebody that owns end of life. How do you guys do it in your business? So, uh, good question, MJ. So, in our business, we have uh, dedicated teams that work on product development, bringing something new. Uh, usually, that's the same team that also uh, takes care of the life cycle of the product, right? And, and from, from cradle to grave kind of approach. Uh, at the commercial organization, I'm in my team, uh, I have, uh, my, my team is composed of, we have 10 people um, in the Americas, and a portion of the team is dedicated to uh, end user marketing activities. The other half of the team is dedicated to uh, channel uh, partner marketing activities. Uh, so 
it is, it's really a, a collaborative approach when it comes to making sure that, again, your channel is ready, your product is ready, and you don't have what we call, uh, we should not have any orphan uh, customers, right, for anything that we're doing. And I think that uh, at least the way that we are set up to, to make that work is something that it's, it's, it's proven to us to be useful and, and, and a big tool to based on the, on the business model that we follow. So I was talking to somebody just yesterday that is in a position where he needs to build his marketing team and the marketing function at his business from mm -hmm. ground up. What advice would you have for someone who's looking into different ways to structure their team? So um, I'm, a, I'm a very strong believer that anything it needs to, I mean, anything when it comes to creating a marketing organization or any team for, for that matter, you need to have crystal clear what is your goal, okay? Uh, what, what is the goal of the, what is the business goal of this company, right? And based on that answer, you want to be able to, to create, I mean, this is create the, the marketing team that or organization that you will need in place to support that business goal. And I think that that's something, uh, it's not that I'm saying that uh, marketing is subordinate uh, 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 or a subordinate or a less shiny part of, or less important part of the organization. But I think that we also need to be aware that the, the marketing work it needs to be connected to a business uh, business outcome, and in 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 order to create value, in order to be perceived as valuable. So to to your question, uh, and, and and I hate to to an, to answer with another question. I mean, I will need to understand what is the business goal that this person has, and based on that, understand okay, uh, define the goal, define a strategy that you want to follow to achieve that goal, create a plan and then look at the processes that you will need to have in place, the tools that you, that you will need to have in place, and, like, and, and the last element, you see the people that will need to be able to operate across that. Yeah, so, I mean, from what you were describing on how you guys structure, I found that really interesting. You focus, have a, you have an end user focused component of your company, and yeah. then a channel partner focused Component your company, which I think is, I've never, I mean, I, I have, you know, seen various um, industrial companies. That's, 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 see, it sounds unique to me from how, I mean, I know we structure it here. Um, what sort of brought you to, to have that approach? It's, it's really like the classic push pull method, right? Where you just have yeah. people to go one way and then others to go another. Um, how, how is that, uh, how's that been effective? And, and what's the result of, of having an approach like that for your business been? Yeah, so the, the organization has with these two arms, right? So, I mean, uh, left arm, channel partner, right arm, end user. It, it is new to us. Um, we've, we've had that organization, I mean, that structure about six years. Uh, before that, it was just one unified uh, marketing team who would work on different activities, let and forth. Nothing wrong with that approach. The, the challenge with that is that the structure was not enabling you to be uh, more specific with these two different audiences. Um, we know that that even if you don't have a direct uh, or, or you're not selling direct as a manufacturer, uh, the end users, the customers want to have a relationship with the manufacturer. 
right? That's why even if you don't have an e-commerce, you have social media presence and you participate in forums and you have webinars and you have uh, all this information in your website because you want, uh, again, that connection with the end user, right? Uh, in order to, and also it's an extremely powerful uh, brand uh, opportunity for you to be able to connect with your end users across all those different uh, channels, right? And at the same time, in our case, we don't sell direct. So we have a very strong distribution network when it comes to our PowerMax line, and that's our handheld plasma um, business. And also um, in a different uh, distribution network for uh, with our OEMs for our mechanized, heavy mechanized uh, product. Uh, but those, I mean, the network or the channel partner network is key, is essential. So in terms of what the tools that they need, the information, the, to be on board with you, the training. So, I mean, uh, this particular structure where we have one area of the team focused on end user marketing activities and channel partners activities has really served us very well because it allows you to have a very balanced approach and, and, and also to, to, to make sure that the, the right communication, the right attention is being paid to these two very important segments. Yeah, I think it also sets your team up for success, right? Because it gives them like a very focused, um, you know, mission. And I think, you know, sometimes when you have a large base through your sales channels and your end user networks, which, you know, some people do it by industry or you have ideal customer profiles, sometimes that can be a little bit overwhelming to address all those certain stakeholders efficiently um, mm -hmm. and effectively. So separating it out so it's focused to get the most um, bang for that. Uh, I think is a, is a really interesting and, and, and uh, sounds like a very effective approach. And to, to wit on that, I mean, in terms of building community on social, like you said, I mean, you guys have 20,000 people following you on LinkedIn. I think you have over 100,000 on Facebook, if I'm not mistaken. So yes. um, yeah, I mean, you guys have a, a big community of very, very loyal end users, and I'm sure distributors as well who are, who are you know, wanting to engage with you and, and, and communicate with you on that, um, on, your, on your messaging and your brand. Um, I wanted to segue and get into the nuts and bolts of when it gets to launch time. Um, so I have a, a few questions here to kind of line them up. So I'll start though with um, when you guys, when the product's ready, you're 12 months out, like you said before, what are the strategy considerations that you guys are making in terms of how you want to approach uh, the product launch? That's a good question. So, um, and I guess that it depends, right? Uh, if if the product that you're going to be launching um, belongs, I mean, you you start with segmentation, right? So you 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 dump your homework, you understand how who needs your product, why they need it, um, what uh, I mean. The, this is when we start talking about uh, persona creation, and you understand who are you targeting to, and where this person uh, consumes information, looks for. Uh, answers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so in addition to the, to the let's get the product launch uh, at a certain date, there is all the marketing communication portions that needs to come to life to support that, right? Marketing communications, training, and user communications, et cetera. Uh, so the strategy is also, I, I, and, I, and I think that this is something that we all do. At the end of the day, I guess that marketing is a game of uh, differentiation, right? You want to set apart 
um, in, in a world where there's a lot of products that look like the ones that you have, etc. Your job as a marketing organization is to make sure that uh, in your customer's mind, there's no, there's very, very little doubt or none, or they're 100% clear why they should be able, I mean, they should choose you and nobody else, right? So in, in the, in, on that, um, on that front, marketing communications plays a, a, a big role and also channel readiness, right? So um, for us, as I mentioned before, we're not, we, we don't go direct. So getting our channel ready, right? And in, in, in the, I, I guess that the unique thing about Hyperthem, I mean, we are in the cutting and weld, welding industries and you look at our competitors, right? You could like Isabel, Lincoln and, and, and other manufacturers uh, where we operate, it's a fraction of their business because we don't do welding, right? We do cutting and plasma cutting. So it, out of the this entire pizza, uh, we only have one slice. So, and what I mean by that is that we need to be extra careful because I mean, um, making sure that the product is successful at a technical level and also at the customer, uh, uh, from the customer point of view, it is, it is key to us. So um, manufacturing, marketing, communications, um, training, channel readiness are all these elements that come to play to when, when we're developing the strategy of, of, of launching a product. Yeah, I think for hypertherm, uh, for hypertherm especially, it's uh, you guys have such a laser focus on your market doing the pl doing plasma cutting. So to me, it's a it's an advantage for you guys that you're so focused on one area, whereas a lot of other people are trying to, try, not trying to necessarily differentiate, but they're trying to do maybe too much. They don't have the focus that you guys have. So I think that's for you guys been uh, been a strength for sure. I want to ask you, Annabelle, about one specific element that I think a lot of companies struggle with when they get time to launch a product, which is the type of salesperson that can be successful selling a new product. I think it's kind of a rare skill set. Can you tell me about some of the salespeople you've worked in your career and what set them apart in terms of their ability to be successful selling new product? Yeah, that's, well, that's a, that's a good question. Um, so let, let me, t let me tell you what I've experienced uh, or what I've seen in the past. So you have the, the type of salesperson that is in nature transactional. And, and by doing that, uh, the, the goal is going to be to close as much business as possible, as quickly as possible and then move on. The type of sales force that we have at Hyperthem, and, and it's very different because again, this is people that have been with the company for 20, 30 years. Uh, if you have been with Hyperthem for 10 years, you're kind of still a, kind of a newbie, to be honest. And uh, these are people that are uh, very much long-term term oriented. So uh, the selling, I mean, sales or, or getting a sale, it is part of how you're building relationship with that particular custom, customer um, long-term. So those are the main, I mean, the, those are the main two differences that, that I've seen. Uh, nothing wrong with either approach. I mean, I think that it, it depends on what's the, what's the, what's the goal driving your business philosophy, right? 
um, if if getting, I mean, if if again transacting as much as possible and having a, a kind of like a, a more immediate gain is is something that you're pursuing. That there's a salesperson type of profile for that. Um, on our end, we we tend to look at everything that we do at the with long term perspective, and, and based on based on that. Um, sales, marketing, operations, service, we, we behave accordingly. How are you able, how's Hypertherm able to kind of keep that long-term strategy and what it really is a cutthroat year-over-year type of business, um, yeah. like welding and cutting? Um, what have been some of the factors in, in the company culture that have, that have allowed that to, to take hold of amongst all the employees? Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I, I think that you just you, you just answer your, I mean, mentioned the key element in, in the answer, and you mentioned culture, right? Hypertherm culture is, is very strong. Uh, we are a uh, 100% associate-owned company. So everybody at Hypertherm, from production to sales to marketing, we are all uh, owners of the company. Uh, so uh, we care really deeply in, in terms of how the business is doing. And, and, and what's going to happen the next year, the next five years, the next 10 years. So that's something that we keep in the radar very close to our chest. And, and also, I mean, uh, we take care, I mean, it's as a company itself, it's, we're very caring. For example, in these times uh, with COVID, right, and production is known, you see left and right people are being laid off. And, and because the business uh, is not as strong, then all, all, all of a sudden people are, are, let, are being let go. Hypertheme, we have a no layoff uh, philosophy. In the 52 years that we've operated, we've never let anybody go because you know what, the, the times are not great. So it's when 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 the times are tough, we, we figure it out. I mean, actually our creative process in our uh, engineering development thrives when times are slow. Uh, and, and if for some reason we need to, a production is down and we have to go to 50%, we, we figure out a way to give everybody um, all, I mean, busy doing meaningful things. So, so I think that the culture plays a, a, a huge role in, in, in that part. I just want to say that that's an incredible example of your brand and your culture and your processes being completely integrated. You know, you say you have a long-term strategy, you stay committed to your employees when times are tough, which allows you to take a long-term view. And in response, your employees over deliver on innovation when sales are slow. I just think that that's a really important takeaway that if I were listening to this right now, I would, I would be writing that one down. For sure. I, I completely yeah, agree with that, yes. Yeah, not a lot of, you don't see a lot of employee-owned companies in, in manufacturing, especially ones the size of Hypertherm. So that's a really, and I, I knew going in, you guys were employee-owned. I was really hoping we would, you would touch on that. So really happy that you did. Um, I wanted to pivot back to the product to the product launch section of this, and I wanted to ask you kind of a broad question and just sort of see how you'll tackle it. Um, what constitutes a successful product launch to you? If, if if you get that product and you're taking it to market, what is what is success like to you? Um, so something also part of the lingo. What what's going to be our DOS uh, whenever we do something? Uh, definition of success. I mean, if we if we can if we look back even before launching anything, if we we put ourselves in a situation. If we need now, we look back. Uh, what, how we're going to be defining success? 
So that's something that we also set, I mean, through many different metrics um, very early in the process. Uh, but if you are having a hard time to fulfill orders due to the high demand, high demand if your customers are pleased with the product and service that you're delivering to them, uh, if your partners are happy and engaged and excited and in, in, in the traffic that you promised to, to their stores is, is, is taking place, I think that those are pretty good indicators. I mean, uh, to, to let you know if a product launch has been successful, right? So everything went, internally everything went as it should and, and, and then um, most importantly, uh, at a customer level, at the point of purchase, um, everything is, is, is going in a way that, that your sales are ramping up and, and again, product is available, message is on, is on point and, and, and on target. So those are a few elements that, I, that, that we use to, to consider or, or to measure when a, when a, in order to determine if a launch has been successful or not. All right, I wanna segue that into getting a little bit more in the nitty gritty on that. So I wanna ask you to describe a product launch that Hypertherm did um, how you launched it and why you considered it successful. So that could be the most recent example maybe, or, or, or maybe like a flagship product you guys launched mm -hmm. uh, a few years ago that like really did well in the market. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, so especially in, so we have a heavy, heavy industrial uh, set of products and we have a light industrial set of products that is handheld Etc. And we have one of our systems is called the PowerMax 45, and that system was king for about 15, maybe 20 years, right? Super reliable, things like that. So, but it got to a point that we needed to renew, renew the product and relaunch the next iteration of that um, particular product. So it's like somebody takes your most beloved toy to, from your kid, and now you have to figure out how to give them something equally, if not more impressive than that. Right, so the challenge was set. Um, so the same, the same way. I mean, there was a lot of research, development, um, voice of the customers uh, to understand what was that next iteration. And and it took us, I believe, uh, I would say even a little bit longer than than one year to make sure that all the different, I mean, uh, this was the first launch, for example, that in addition to the regular tactics, right, uh, the product readiness and manufacturing and communications, we were also incorporating the social media component to this. So we created, uh, I remember this 30, it was six weeks or 30 day countdown to the product launch with all with social media teasers and, and, and cool kind of contests and people getting them riling and excited and, and actually that had a, a fantastic effect because uh, people, I mean, we created all these different contests and, and again, end users and customers wanted to know more about the, more about the product. At the same time, we're using, uh, at the same time, the, the channels, uh, the channel partners were being trained and getting ready and products uh, was being delivered. So I think that that particular uh, launch, um, it was, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that the, 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 the product launch, I, I resemble what happens in like in a, when you go to the, to the symphony and you look at the, the director and everything falls in place because all instruments are playing at the same tempo 
and, and things are going the way they should, I think that when you have all your, again, manufacturing process down, your marketing plan is in place, your customers' um, activities are also in place and your channel is activated, that all came to life with the 45. I, we had such a hard time keeping up with demand because people were, I mean, we launched a product and, and, and partners could not get enough inventory to keep selling that. So that was very, very successful. Wow, that's, that sounds awesome. Um, one thing you did not mention in that, which I thought was interesting, was um, you didn't use your, the, your trade shows to, um, mm -hmm. to sort of let, to kind of be, I'm sure they were involved in your trade shows, yeah. but I think a lot, I see a lot of manufacturers sort of um, position their product launch around their major trade show. And it doesn't yeah. sound like that was a focus of yours. And uh, first off, I think that is the correct approach. But um, I'm also wondering why you, uh, why you chose to not take that route when I'm, I'm sure you see your competitors and, and your peers do that. So it, it depends, right? So uh, when the time is right and it makes sense, actually you can definitely and you should leverage your trade shows to launch a new product, right? To create some excitement, to, to be able to, to connect your, your customers directly with, with the product itself. Uh, but sometimes, I mean, and, and I'm thinking about the flagship treasures, at least here in North America, is Fabtech, yeah. right? So, and that happens usually in November. But if your product is ready to go in March and, 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 and you know that you have something fantastic that, that, I mean, waiting six months to bring it to the market when the time is right, is it, a consideration that you can make. So, uh, if you have, I mean, trade shows are, are part of the marketing mix, probably they're not gonna ever gonna weigh, even now with COVID activities, we are seeing virtual trade shows. Um, that's something that, 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 again, depending on the product, depending on the audience, uh, you should be able to leverage. Um, but, uh, uh, but then again, that's gonna be at the discretion of the, of the company and how you, how you wanna manage that. So since we're talking about successful launches, I want to ask you about measuring the success of a launch because I've seen this happen in a lot of manufacturing companies before where you create your presentation to justify building the product and you've got your sales plan and it looks all nice and it's going to grow each year and then the numbers that actually come in do not match this sales plan at all. So. How do you know when you're winning or when you're losing and how long does it take to actually look back and say that was a successful launch or not a successful launch based on sales results? Okay, so a couple of things. Um, your product launch considers a sales budget, right? And that sales budget is going to be three months after lunch, six months after lunch, one year after lunch, whatever you want to do it. Uh, I think that uh, something that we do, uh, and, uh, and actually now we are formally incorporating this in, a, in our regular practice is policy deployment. And by policy deployment, what I mean by that is actually that you look at the processes that need to be in place, uh, including commercial processes and marketing processes to guide you through that um, that budget, right? So if we say, you know what, uh, in the first six months, we need to be able to see uh, 300 units of X uh, out of the door every single month. And we are getting 150 in the first month, 
that, that policy deployment process triggers uh, countermeasures that need to be activated. And there, again, uh, once that you find the root cause, I mean, you go through a root cause analysis to get you to that place to be able to revert that particular number and get you back in place. Uh, we are very um, process oriented at Hyperthem. Very, again, it's in our, our, our inception is from engineering. So um, even at the commercial process or especially the commercial process, uh, when sales are not being delivered the way that we said they were supposed to, uh, countermeasures are, are, are in place very, very quickly to, to correct that. Tell me what some of those countermeasures can look like. Is it simply just reducing budget um, for towards the launch, or is it maybe putting budget somewhere else? Um, tell me, tell me what some of those countermeasures can look like. No, I mean, I mean, you you first of all you need to understand the disconnect, right? So, I mean, is is the product not being, uh, I mean, other environmental elements that are not uh, allowing you to, to to connect with the with your with your segments the the way that they, they you expected, right? Is the economy down, right? Uh, wh why, um, why is the product not moving? Uh, are there any elements of your DVP that all of a sudden you did not consider at all? Is that are, are the competitors coming back with you with a more um, with a more aggressive uh, counter offer of of a similar product? Um, is there? I mean, there there are so many things that I mean. Is your marketing effort? I mean has it been too shy, right? I mean, so when we, when in marketing, we talk about the funnel. So if you had, in order to have, you were thinking about hitting a million um, it, points of touch or, or touch points with your uh, prospect uh, at the very top of the funnel on a monthly basis, and that doesn't happen, why not? So I think that uh, the countermeasure it's very specific to the to the metric or the or to the activity that you want to improve. So um, um, probably I'm not answering you with a very specific example, but I guess that the countermeasure is always going to be needs to be connected with what you're trying to to improve. No, I yeah I I totally totally agree with that. And you talked about going back to a root cause analysis, and as I can go all the way back to the front end and back to that voice of customer research, and was that maybe vetted properly or was enough of it done? So yeah, I mean you can I mean, you can go all the way back to the beginning to figure that out and to help produce some ca produce countermeasures. But it it sounds like a really robust process that you guys have. So uh, I, I'm I'm guessing you haven't had too many instances where you've you've had to like completely retool on the fly. Uh, it seems yeah. like typically no. on the market with a good plan. No, fortunately that's something that we we no we don't see very often uh, at all. Yeah. So I wanted to end this podcast yeah. with uh, one takeaway. Um, that you want the audience to have from the show based on your all your years of experience and obviously success um, running and launching new products and not just then you say the Americas and I know you mean South America and North America which yes. is a really an enormous market when you think about it in, in, in reality uh, just an, a takeaway for the audience uh, regarding product launches uh, to have from the show and I mean there's a ton of takeaways for the audience but I'm wondering if there's maybe one thing you'd want to stress for them I, I think that uh, when you're launching a product, a service to the market, make sure that you have done your homework. Uh, make sure that there has been true uh, collaboration, uh, cross-team cross collaborations from service to, 
to tech service, to customer service, to marketing, to sales, to development, to manufacturing, to everything in between. I mentioned this before, but at the end of the day, to me, it's, it's a, marketing is a game of differentiation. And, and always think about the way you would want a product or service to be introduced to you or presented to you, and then incorporate that in, in the professional activities that you're doing. So that's, that's my, my two cents there. All right. Anibal Sepulveda, um, marketing director for the Americas for Hypertherm. Uh, Anibal, thank you so much for your time. Uh, tell the audience how they can get in touch with you if they like to just bounce ideas off you for product launches or anything else about you or Hypertherm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, my email address, I mean, I, I, we can post that on the, uh, on the, on your site. Uh, so that's first name that's Sepulveda at hypertherm.com. So yeah, looking forward to, to connect with, uh, with any peers, uh, industry helping each other. Absolutely. All right. Thank you for that so much. Um, you can subscribe to the Industrial Marketer Podcast on all the major podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, and Google. Please be sure to leave a review if you do subscribe. Um, also, please join our LinkedIn group, The Industrial Marketer, uh, which MJ and I both admin, hoping to build a small but mighty community of industrial marketers, sales, and product professionals. Um, and for that, this is The Industrial Marketer, and I am Matt. And I'm MJ. And thank you guys so much for listening. Have a great rest of your day.